We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Hack It Out Golf Podcast time. Myself, Mark Crosswood, Lou Stagner, Greg Chalmers, as always. We're going to give you our top three tips for hitting better iron shots. How to perfect or play better iron shots. Hit more greens. If you hit more greens, there's a good chance you're going to lower your scores. And lower scores for most people means a lot more fun, making this episode, in my opinion, a fun one. Right, Lou and Greg, welcome. Uh, we're going to try and make golf more fun for people. Hitting more greens is going to be the answer for lots of people for having more fun out there. Lou, I think your stats back that up a little bit before we get into our top three tips, don't they? No, not at all. <laughs> hitting greens is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hitting greens is, of all of the traditional stats out there, uh, hitting greens is... Uh, um, probably the most important. So if you start hitting more greens, your scores are going to go down. That's guaranteed. Yeah. And one of the interesting th- things for someone who's rubbish at maths like me um, is that when you start looking at the percentage of greens golfers are hitting a different handicap groups, it always amazes you how little amount of greens are hitting. But to improve those percentages, like it's one or two more greens around. Because bearing in mind there's only 18 greens to it. You start hitting two, I again, math sent my strong point, but the percentages start jumping up, don't they? It's not like we're saying you need to go and hit six more because some people can't reach six more greens, isn't it? Well, I mean, think of it this way. So, um, and, and this varies by handicap level and skill level. Uh, when you miss a green, you have to get up and down. And let's say you're going to average, uh, you know, whatever handicap, but you're going to average 2.7 shots to get up and down every time you miss a green. And for every green that you hit in regulation, you're gonna average you know, two putts. Um, hitting a green is worth three quarters of a shot. 2.75 minus two is 0.75. If you hit two more greens, that's one and a half shots. Uh, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. That's just quick back of the napkin way, way to think of it. And um, hitting more greens will 100% make your scores go down. I had put something out there a while ago, and this was absolutely fascinating. Um, regardless of skill level, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was seven greens. Regardless of skill level. So you could be a scratch player or you could be a 15 handicap player. And if you hit seven greens you were very, very likely to shoot somewhere around 84. 
is what I think it was. Okay. And so that's even for a scratch player. Scratch player goes out and hits seven seven greens. It's typically not not a great day for no, them. No. Uh, they were averaging, I think, like eighty three. And and when a fifteen or a twenty handicap goes out and hits seven greens, which that's a really good day for them, they were averaging around eighty four. Yeah. So there's a pretty strong relationship between score and, and number of greens you have. Yeah, I like that. And just for quickly, before we go into our tips, which are just about to start, top threes. Um, Greg, I'm guessing that you're a green machine, aren't you, with your skill set? 18 every day. Yeah, but as in what I mean <laughs> is maybe because you're not reaching the par fives as easy as maybe some of your compadres for you to compete with them, which you blatantly what? have for years. <laughs> Look at those guns. Come on. I'm an, I'm an you, animal, man. You're, you're not making like mis- flipping wedges in there. Your game's about not making mistakes, I'm guessing, isn't it? As in someone who's hitting par fives with seven irons has got room for a few more mistakes, possibly. You, I, you, am I just quickly, am I right yes. in guessing that? You're, yes, yes. You're 12 yes, I recently, 16 greens so- in red kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'd, look, 16's a wonderful day. 12, yeah. probably 10 to 12 is more my average. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've got to get up and down on the you know, at least five out of the six I miss kind of thing um, on my sort of good days. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely something where you're just picking up a quarter of a shot or just it's a come down. We start to get down to the finer sort of points of don't hit it where you don't hit it. Um, yes. And so th- those kind of decisions are, are always interesting to pick and choose what to do. But I'm looking forward to, I've got a few ideas on uh, um, my tips on what I've been through with, because I was a very picky striker. So these these and I'm not the greatest iron player. So yeah, yeah, these yeah. tips, I think, could be really helpful. Yeah, okay. Well, that leads us into the first tip, which I'm going to deliver, which is strike on face. Um, how good you are at controlling where you strike the ball on the face with your irons, and to be honest with you, with any club, but certainly your irons, when the ball is on the ground and you've got no leeway, like you have a little bit with a tee, and you've generally got a club that's going to punish you more if you don't hit it in the right place on the face. Being able to control where you strike the ball on the face sounds so basic. Um, and most people listening will kind of go, well, that's quite obvious, isn't it? But you'll be amazed at the amount of amateurs that I've taught when I've asked them, have you ever tried practicing striking the ball on the face? So as in reacting to a strike point. So a good little drill I do with students is I get them to hit a ball, don't care where they strike it, but they need to tell me where they strike it. Then wherever that point is, they tell me where they're going to move that strike above it, below it, to the heel side of it, to the toe side of it from that point. And something you notice very quickly is the more skilled golfers are able to do that, one shot, two shot, three shots, the lesser skilled golfers, just it's a it's a machine gun. They they can't they can't do it. Now, if you think about trying to hit a ball off the ground, if you can't control how high or low you're hitting the ball on the face then you're going to struggle to control your contact with the ground and the ball, meaning low point could be compromise, fats, fins, those kind of things. Um, And then obviously as well, you get people naming no names that are not afraid to get a little bit close to the old uh, JR Rockets. <laughs> naming <Hosel>. absolutely yeah, <laughs> the hoozle. <laughs> How many shanks around do you have, Lee? You've always got a shank in the tank. We haven't brought that one. We got a shank in the tank. Um, how, how many? How many are we looking at? Wait a minute. So you know, I, so- I, I, I find it offensive <laughs> that you ask me how many per round. <laughs> That's offensive. I was going to elaborate. Month. So yeah, I what's reckon, your quota? Yeah, I reckon you know how many holes on average you go before a free putt. I reckon you could tell me that stack quite closely now, I reckon. 
Yeah. So how many holes do you go <laughs> at, without a shank? shank? What's uh, winning? Putting or shanking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty good putter, so that answers your question. Come on, how many um, holes per shank? Would you know? Um, Is it like I don't, ten I don't, rounds? I don't know that. I I I don't know that one. I I try to I try to block this. I I'm, I am an advocate for tracking all of your stats in detail except your shanks <laughs> we found the only Please forget your shanks that's the <laughs> only reason he owns a rubber it's for that one he rubs that yeah, one out right. we, yeah we've yeah. outstarted the stat old greg i absolutely yeah. love fantastic it. yeah uh, you know it's a lot better than it used to be Good. um and then i i i've i've had uh you know there were there were times in the past i've i've shanked I've shanked three in a row on the course, three oh, in a row, what, what, um, which what, is not a fun place to be. Are they full shots? Or yeah. That's almost a perfect circle. Yeah, it is. Going, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost back to where you started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> yeah, I it was it was not it was not a fun moment. It was not a fun moment. That was a while ago, years ago. We've made, made we've made big strides. Yeah. So we're in good shape now. Good boy. And I mean, just carrying on that conversation, Lou, with golfers trying to control strike because it's going to be key to controlling distance on your approach shots. It's going to be key to hitting. So I even say to people, and Greg said it earlier, I don't particularly care if you strike it in the middle every time, as long as you strike it in a consistent place every time. My old pro from years ago that I first learned under years and years ago said, if you could shank it in the same place every time, you could be quite a good golfer because you would just mm. aim 90 degrees left and shank it <laughs> into the area you want it to go. But his point was, it doesn't matter where you strike it within reason as long as it's more consistent. Um, Lou, you ha- are someone who I would guess have worked on practicing strike because oh, yeah. you've suffered from it and you need a recovery tool if it comes in. Is, is that Quite fair? Yeah, yeah. So I, I do a, a lot of uh, things. Um, I, I intentionally try to hit it on the toe, intentionally try to hit it on the heel, try yeah. to hit it high, try to hit it low. Um, I have a tool that has almost like a velour material, uh, and I put that down and it shows me where I'm making contact with the ground. And I will do almost like a nine box drill with that, where I won't have a ball down there and I'll stand and take my normal setup. And I will intentionally try to swing, you know, way inside and way ahead of where the ball is and make contact there. And then I'll go to the opposite corner and try to swing way behind the ball. So hitting it really fat and way outside of where the ball is. And I'll kind of move around that nine box window, just trying to get control you know, without a golf ball of where the club is striking the ground. So I've done that quite a bit. Um, and also constantly trying to, to work on different trajectories, uh, and different shapes Yeah, uh, and all of that, doing all of that, uh, helps me to, you know, have a whole lot better control, um, of, of where the ball is hitting the face. Yeah. I like that. I mean, just for everyone listening and it, uh, it always, 
amazed me and it felt like I was empowering golfers. When I was coaching first time, uh, full time, it was one of the main things I did with students. And the amount of students who didn't know that they had the right to come to the range and just practice strike. They thought coming to the range was about trying to hit the ball to an exact target every time or trying to come to the range to hit their perfect backswing positions and what have you. And I would say to them, look, you can do the other things you're working on in your actions or whatever you feel you need to improve, but you've got to work from strike back. And if you can't control where you're striking that ball on the face, do practice it. And the amount of students I would practice it with, and you'd be amazed when you just tell them they're allowed to do it, give them a few simple tools of how to do it. So just constantly trying to hit it out the toe, the heel, to find where the middle is, those kind of ideas trying to pluck balls off the top of the mat where you don't hit any ground to feel a low strike, leaning the handle way forwards and feeling like you're almost punching it low to get the ball to hit up the face. You would see literally light bulbs in their head, like you would see them just coming alive, thinking, oh, my God, you know, I've played for 15 years. I've never been told I'm allowed to do this. Yeah, well, let's do it again, and then let's, let's, evaluate, let, let's kind of associate some of these shots that we're practising on a dry range with situations so i want you to pluck one you know where you don't touch the mat but you don't top it they would hit one and then i'd say well what shot's that and they'd go oh i'm not sure fairway bunker maybe oh yeah of course yeah i'm rubbish out of fairway bunkers oh yeah because you've probably never practiced it okay let's go ball back handle forward try and get it up the face get it going out at head height bang 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 what shot's that oh into the wind i do do that one a bit but that's way lower than i thought i was allowed to do it yeah like these are skills that the better version of whoever you are, and I always say this to the golfers, if you are the 10 going up to 12 handicap who plays with Peter who's 10 coming down to 8, but you think you're better than them, often it's those skills that they do better. It's not that they're stronger or that they practice more. You're equal, like it's your peer group, but the better versions often have that slightly higher version of strike, stroke, low point control, uh, stroke, control of where they hit it on the face um it's something that greg, so many people should practice so greg for you as a tour player um is your bigger issue um where the ball is striking the face um or is it uh, the face being open or closed a little bit you know too much or not you, it used to be where it used to be where i strike it i used to get oh, a lot oh. on the bottom grooves and this leads into you know our second point which is you know the the strike and the the what for me I always a very picky striker. Um, I, I I added I added loft on, on like I just didn't have enough shaft lean coming into impact. Yeah. Um, mm. And it was from years of doing you know different drills. One of them was I used to do a bottom hand only drill, like a one hand only, and it just made me scoop the ball. And and I did that over did that. Um, so my coach my I changed I had changed coaches and we wanted to lead to compressing the ball better. And so we started doing things like just half pace, three quarter pace, stopping as close to post impact as possible. Um, and I found that a, it got me into my lead side just a little better. And also I squashed the ball post impact. I found that with amateurs, good amateurs can do it. Um, and it's tough for, for learners and beginners and people who are struggling with the game. So then we started doing some things. I put, I use visual aids a lot. So just old school stuff like a tee behind the ball, just behind the ball and trying to not hit that tee and get down and squash that ball, a tee in, front of the ball in the ground trying to move that out of the ground um i started doing those kind of things just to try and get me squashing the ball better so now it's club face control for me um it, it, it's uh, i contact the ball okay with my eyes it's just controlling left or right 
but yeah, they're the they're the kind of things that I, I think one of the other things too is it maybe show get a coach and have him show you what impact in static look is meant to look like. You know, I think a lot of people that they, they just they don't even know where they're supposed to be. You know, at impact, and it's a lot different sometimes than what what your mind is sort of imagining. You show them that and they're like, oh wow, I had no idea I was supposed to be in that spot. Um, that can be something you could you could head towards. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you're a bottom. You were a bottom groovy kind of striker with your irons. Is that what you were saying? I there? was. And then, I was. And you weren't basically taking much loft off at delivery. You were tending to maybe have yes, a bit high, more loft. high picky strikes. Yeah. And really hit a lot of shots thin. Yeah. Um, just yeah. didn't didn't. And when at my speed, I need to kind of squash the ball. Um, I mean, most, so, golfers yeah, do, it, most golfers do need to yeah. do what you're saying, which is to make sure they're not delivered. I mean, each club has a loft, doesn't it? Each club has a loft, yeah. but then you have a delivered other- loft. And if you're manipulating that, you could end up having clubs all going the same distance, subject to what yes. you're doing to them. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I think the other thing, Mark, that you guys are both basically saying is, and we've talked about this before, experiment with movement. Yeah, move differently and have a have a mess around a little bit, and you might learn some things. You know, like like I did it myself. I hit my three wood out of the heel a lot, and it drives me nuts. I did a full session. I think I messaged you guys. I said I just flushed it, just trying to hit thirty three woods out of the toe. Yeah, and they just it's just changing my intent, experimenting with movement, and it and it helps. Yeah, and what's your experience with amateurs when it comes to like what's your longest iron in your bag? We'll put. I mean, for me, I'm a six iron. Lou, what's the longest iron in your bag? Nine iron. <laughs> what is it? What is the longest <laughs> iron? Lose, lose coming yeah, in. Yeah, seven, seven. Driver wedge all day, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the oh, longest iron? No, I thought iron? you had a whole bag of hybrids. <laughs> yeah, I do. I stop I'm at six iron that. and I'm hybrids all day long. Lou, what's your longest iron? Five iron? Yeah. Um, but my five iron is a four has... iron, isn't it? Basically a four iron, yeah, pretty strong loss on the clubs that I play. Because your T three hundreds tightless is that T300s, correct? So that is right, like yeah. a four iron. So that's pretty, yeah, like a four iron. Pretty brave, Greg. What's the longest iron in your bag? Four iron. Yeah, to day in day out, four iron. And that was a question I was going to ask you, mate. Like as speeds go down, club head speed go down. Should people be looking towards getting more hybrids in the bag or more loft? Yeah, basically bigger heads and. So many options nowadays for people because you've got combo sets. I ended up having a set that had two six irons at one point because I had regular lofts and then I wanted the next club to be in the same brand, but it's power version of that club. So basically it was like T100s and then I wanted to go T200 in in a five iron. But if you went to five iron, there was just a massive gap between the regular six iron to the power five iron. So I ended up having two six irons because the second I had a power six iron. So from a stronger lofted set and then regular sets of irons. So it's finding off, it's finding that kind of drop off point in launch, because if you haven't got the speed and launch starts falling down, what happens? You do gap test. 
I, it got to a stage when I was doing gap tests a lot when I was coaching full time and doing, you know, people wanted clubs and stuff. We used to do a lot of gap testing. It got to a stage where if people had good gapping at the top end of their bag, six iron, five iron, four iron, hybrid replacement, whatever, I was actually surprised. It was just, I could literally, I was going into each gap and thinking, let's just get to the seven iron upwards because this is where it all goes wrong. And 95% plus, they just would start bunching because they buy a set, right. you know, and they have a five iron or a four iron or whatever, and they don't individually fit those clubs at the top end and i would like to see people starting to try and it's the company's fault it's the company's it, the consumer needs to push the fitter and the fitter will push the company to give better fitting options where you can get to a seven iron and then go to a six iron or a five iron and a four iron in a set and really start looking at the lofts with some different um you know delivered lofts stroke around the start the static lofts of the different brands within one brand does that make sense? Like Titleist makes six right. irons or whatever it is. So you could have a mm. different iron for every club if you want. I mean, when I was with Titleist, they fit one of the guys. His nine iron was bent more upright than his the rest of his clubs purely to change strike. I mean, this guy, tour right. player, he, he had, he, he was a US, he was a PGA tour player. He had his nine iron was not the same loft as any other club in his bag because he just struck his nine iron in an odd space. Uh, they bent the lie on it and he started striking it better. He was individually fit for his club. So right. delivered loft is massive for better iron striking. So you, uh, you had a power six iron, Mark? Yeah, so I a, had, a power six I iron. had think of your T300. I, had that no, I, a, I know what you mean. Yeah, I had that all in my a six clubs are, All my irons are power irons. <laughs> yeah, but then you, oh, well, so please. I'm the same now. With a, I'm with a wear now. spot and a hosel. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I, the, the thing with my irons is they don't have wear spots. The yeah. grooves last a long time. <laughs> yeah, we hit it all over the face. They, they last forever. Yeah. So what, what is funny is that I am the same now with Shrix and clubs, but what I now do is I stop at a six iron, go jump to a hybrid because the six iron is really a five iron, but I have two wedges. I have two pitching wedges. I have a power pitching wedge. So it doesn't matter which end you do it. It's going to happen if you start going across brands. But I've started reviewing all next year's product and um, they're definitely working this in and much more. Lots of the manufacturers are starting to work this idea and more into how they're setting up their clubs. So I think we will in time start to see sets that can blend so much easier um, yeah. because the manufacturers right. are realizing. And it leads on to your point, Lou, really, distance and gapping, I think. Yeah, I want to. I just want to just quickly touch on delivered loft that that Greg was talking about. One of the things that I, I struggled with the same thing. Um, not um, obviously nowhere near as good a ball striker as is Greg, um, but I struggled with um, you know too much loft on the club at impact, not forward enough. And one of the things that I did that made a massive change was just a sixty degree wedge drill, where it was half swings trying to hit fifty yard shots. And I was trying to launch the ball below 30 degrees um, and would just stack all my weight on my left side as a right-handed player uh, and take these 50-yard shots and just try to keep the launch low. And when I started doing that drill, um, I have launch monitor that I can measure that. There's other ways you can do that if you're just hitting into a net. You know, you can, you can set marks and try to keep it under it. But I, when I first started, it was impossible for me. Everything launched at 32 degrees, 33 degrees. I could not get it down. And then the more that I worked at it, um, that started to come way down. And I started launching it. You know, I went from 32 on an average down to like 27 and a half, 27 with that shot. 
And looking at the before and after swing, uh, my swing before and after that doing that drill for a month, it was incredible how everything changed uh, with respect to how much loft I was delivering at impact, you know, the shaft lean that you talk about. It, it was uh, of all of the things I've worked on over the last year with, uh, with my teacher, Jason, I think that was by far the most impactful doing that for about a month. Yeah. I love that style of learning as well, where it's much more um, set around a task rather than set around hitting expositions and what have you. It's engaging often for the student, and I think it's so educational, and it has such a great self-learning process. You get yourself in your little man cave or you get yourself on your practice area or on your tea in the evening, and you work out how to do what Lou's saying. You start learning different feels, different things that – mean only something to you because they're your feels and, and that's a, such a great way of learning I, I love doing that with students just this is the task show me how you do it um it, it's it's that self-discovery is brilliant yeah absolutely well what are we going to talk about next uh distance and gapping is that our final yeah day? i reckon final... they, they kind of lead all in don't they i mean distance yeah. and gapping is definitely uh an issue with amateur golfers isn't it as in they don't have gaps and they certainly can it distances and pros as well so what what are some tips can we give the people to get that sorted out yeah i think that's one area that is um, low-hanging fruit for players um and i i have my own personal thoughts on on how people could maybe think about mapping their bags a little bit differently but i i've done a deep dive on this in the arcos data and i looked at players and and i'm able to see exactly what their gapping is and you know, this probably won't surprise either of you, um, amateurs, especially as their swing speed starts to get lower, um, they tend to not have a whole lot of gapping at the long end of the bag, right? Their, their five iron and their six iron are going almost the same exact distance. Uh, and Mark could probably explain the physics behind that yep. uh, with what's going on there. But that was extremely, extremely typical um, and became more pronounced as you became a shorter hitter. So just because your irons are, are numbered sequentially from four, five, six, seven, eight, nine to wedge um, does not mean you have to have all of those in the bag. Um, you know, having a five iron and a six iron that essentially go the same distance is a bad idea. You have two clubs in the bag that are performing nearly identical, nearly in the same way. And I would encourage you to remove those and think about putting something else in play. And I am uh, also, um, and I'll come back to this part, but the other thing that I found too, that was interesting, a lot of AMs um, had really big gaps at the wedge end of their bag where they would have, you know, 15, 18, 19 yards of gap between, you know, a gap wedge and a pitching wedge. Um, in, in today's modern lofts, you'll find a lot of pitching wedges that are, you know, 45-ish or, or less than that. And then somebody puts a 52-degree gap wedge in the bag, and they have seven, you know, anywhere from six to eight degrees of loft difference between their gap and their pitching wedge. And that results in a pretty big gap in, uh, you know, how far, how far they're going to hit each of those clubs. Um, and all of the, the studies that I've done around dispersion, when you can hit a stock shot, 
um, and the dispersion is going to be tightest. So if you have a 20 yard gap between your pitching wedge and your gap wedge, and you have something in the middle, you're either going to try and hit a gap wedge extremely hard, which is probably not a good idea for a 10 handicap, uh, or you're going to have to take something off of a pitching wedge. Also probably not the best idea for a 10 handicap. You know, having something that is going to uh, fill that gap really well at the end of that end of the bag, uh, I think is more important for amateurs. And, and even if you had proper gapping at the long end of the bag, I would, I'm a proponent of losing that and, and getting the gaps tighter at the short end of the bag so you can hit more stock shots. Hopefully I explained that well enough where that, where that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I mean, one of the bigger problems down the bottom end of the bag with wedges for amateurs, your average, you know, day-to-day um, golfer is they have zero control of launch when you start giving them oblique strike points. So anywhere where the ball's going to slip up the face and there's going to be a mixture of slip and grip going on. So think about your lob wedge, your 52, 56, 58, even your gap wedges, even your pitching wedges. Um, and they just balloon them up in the air. So the only thing that would would I would add to what Lou is saying there, and I totally agree with what you're saying there with stock shots, is lots of amateur stock shot with a wedge is ridiculous. It's a full swing. And they're popping it high right, short right. You watch amateurs, uh, you watch good players hit wedges, they're launching it for a very consistent window each time. Um, so having a stock shot or more wedges, I get what you're saying there, Lou, but it does make me worry that on face value... If when I see amateurs with lots of stock wedges, you know, so they have like four wedges because they're trying to hit those gaps, like you're saying, which I agree with the in-between shots, they just play their same pop it up in the air shot. And we're talking like six degrees of deviation in launches, which you know doesn't work with wedges. It has to be going. Oh, is that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As in you know. Seen, as in because you've <laughs> I, I mean that as in you've seen amateurs hit wedges and you've probably seen numbers on wedges and you probably are clever enough to understand that good players launch their wedges for a ridiculously consistent window, almost regardless of what loft they've got in their hand. It's hilarious when you do the tests. It's like I think you have I think you have wedge envy because you're such a short hitter yeah. and you don't get to hit wedges too much. You have wedge envy. Yeah. I hit my wedges plenty. There are plenty of trees I need to chip out from, and they're very useful for that. But you know what I'm saying there, Greg? As well, you've seen amateurs. They hit that wedge flat out and up. It pops short right. It's a consistent. Yeah, straight up their nose. I can't think yeah. of a full wedge as a like. I'm not saying I'm not saying Lou's saying this because I know he isn't. But a full wedge for me is one of my most hated shots. Yeah, I'm only using that like to flags. I need to spin the hell out like 100%. short over bunkers. Yeah, it, most of my wedge down, shots are coming it? out. Most of my, I, mine, mine launch sort of consistently 25 to 27 degrees, pretty wow. low. That's um, very low. And it's kind of got a, yeah, it is. And are it's, you drawing a, it's them? a, are you drawing them in? No, no yes, yes. Um, but I, I try to hit them reasonably straight. Yeah. But my draw is my natural shot. But I, I de-lofted a lot with my wedges. Um, and I like it to, you know, one hop stop. And we do play a lot of greens that are sort of, or two hop stop. A lot of greens that are pretty soft. Yeah. Um, we don't play a lot of greens that are rock hard. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so that option, that option, to be honest, is just, it's, it's null and void. It's just, it's redundant. So I don't see any sense in hitting it up my nose. I just don't want it sitting up in the air that long. 
Yeah. Um, if I'm playing so I'd kind of drive wedge, it in the... I'm scared. I'm thinking, I wish I didn't, I wish mm -hmm. I could just knock this one down. Lou, is that fair yeah. what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I'm not trying to counter your point because I agree with your point, but does, 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 that, does that make sense how that could be misconstrued as in if they're just going for stock wedges? They've got to understand how to play them as well, obviously, which I know you... Yeah, that's, you know. I think that's a different conversation. Yeah. But, you know, having, regardless of how you're playing it, whether you're, you're you know, hitting it like Greg or you're, you're popping it up, you know, having that, every wedge is going to have a stock distance. You know, hopefully you are delivering the club in a way that's like Greg and you're, you know, you're, you're hitting windows and you have very consistent uh, distance that you're flying these things. And I, I think there's opportunity for the amateurs at the short end of the bag to do that, I'd rather see them get, um, I'd rather see amateurs try to get more creative, if that's the right word, at the long end of the bag. I'd rather see somebody take a seven wood and have a seven wood that goes anywhere, from, you know, me, I use my seven wood anywhere from 215 to 180. Yeah, I love that. Um, I and, love that. and I will really, mm. really choke up on the seven wood when I need to hit it 180 and hit just try to hit just a little cut with it. Um, and, and if I need to hit one really hard, I'll, I'll probably draw it a little bit. Um, but that has allowed me to, you know, have more clubs at the lower end of the bag. Um, having look at Lou just dialing up draws and fades. Well, this is an yeah, interesting, it's an interesting <laughs> contradiction, though, as well, isn't it? If you think about it, are you not contradicting yourself there? With what no, you just no. Said? Here's why. Go on. We're go for so it, yeah. bad from we're so bad from long distance. We're yeah, so bad from 200 matter. yards. It doesn't matter yeah, all like that it. much. Yeah. yeah, where it does, it yeah. does matter as you get closer to the hole. And and so I would rather be swinging more stock clubs with irons on approach shots that are, you know, reasonable opportunity for me to hit the green. And with my seven wood, I'm just, I'm trying to keep it in play. Even yeah. though I'm, I'm feathering draws and fades in there <laughs> on command, Mr. Chalmers. Seven wood doesn't have a hose or Greg. Yeah, That's all feathering. he's basically saying. I'm thinking, <laughs> all I, I'm hearing I is he can't shine that. I look over at my partners and I say, two hop and stop on this one, yeah. boys. <laughs> when, he, when he's Don't playing his seven wood, he looks over his partners and say, you're all right, you can walk forward on this one. You'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> wait, until yeah, I, wait until I put the nine wood in play. The five iron's going to come out and I think the nine wood's going to go in play for next year. Oh, love it. I love it. It's awesome. I just would, a whole bag of woods. I, I do love that it. for so many of the golfers I help. You just thin out that top end of ridiculous clubs that they just can't hit. Because the thing is, dude, I've got I've got a game improvement four iron. One four iron's not normal, and then yeah. I go into a hybrid. I mean, they're easier to hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just it gets the utility iron in hand. It's uh, and I'm I actually my five iron as well. Same thing. So my, I've six I've six irons. The last sort of regular iron I have in the bag. Yeah, and that's the rest more of them and more common on tour, isn't it? That's yeah. Greg. That's, when's yes. the last time you played a traditional uh, three iron? Uh, when's the last time you had one of those in the bag? I uh. I used it two weeks ago, and I regretted putting it in the bag. What you <laughs> did, really? It was really windy, and I think I hit it out in a hazard. And I'm like, what am I doing with this rubbish yeah. in my bag? I can't hit it. Um, and honestly, it's just it's becoming less and less chance that's going to make it make the grade for me. There you go. Too hard. Yeah, I like it. I like it. There you go. Do I hear a seven wood in your future? Yeah. No, I hit yeah. them straight up my nose, and <laughs> I, you? I. I'm not, I don't hit the hosel very often like you, Lou. So um, <laughs> no shanks in the tank for, for Greg. And I am yet to play in a perfect circle, three shanks in a row. Yeah. Well, I haven't done that four. yet. I think it's four for the perfect Four would be circle. complete circle. 
No question. Yeah. I'll be with you in a minute, guys. I'll be right back here. Wait here. I'm coming around. Bear with. Yeah. There we go. Three top tips for improving your iron play. Get that strike working for you. Think about delivered loft and how that works then into gapping as well. And another quick one, just go and get a gap test. You'll go and get a gap test. If you haven't had one or done one before, I guarantee this is, I'm not guaranteeing this with any money, but I guarantee that you'll find and learn something about your game that you didn't know that you could low hanging fruit improve all day long let us know if those tips help let us know what we missed obviously there's loads more but that was just our top three maybe hit our social channels up also remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already so you don't miss out on the next upload and also hit those stars let us know how we're doing as always thanks for listening catch you in the next episode